0: On today's contract twenty twenty TA Education, my usual partner, Amy Robinson's interviewing me about section seventeen, Leaves of Absence.
1: So, Kurt, give us an overview of what's changed in this section,
0: generally speaking. Honestly, this section doesn't have a lot of organizational changes. It pretty much follows along with our previous contract, our current contract, but we definitely added a lot more. Clarifying language and you know, kind of the headline we'll get to it later, is we definitely fixed maternity that we used to really bash on.
1: Okay. Well, let's go through the general section first.
0: Yeah. So basically up front, what we're doing is we're basically saying we're defining what a leave is, and we're defining that a pilot is free of duty. And the reason for that is honestly the ex-to what happened back during the pandemic, and there was a big argument between SWAPA and Southwest over. Exto and whether they were allowed to offer it or not. And uh, we clarify that basically early on in this section. And then from there, we go into explaining what benefits all pilots have while on leaves. And then we'll go into each type of leave and go into the details from there.
1: So let's talk about leave of absence as it relates to vacation. How did that specifically come about?
0: So the language says, a pilot who is on a leave of absence will accrue vacation for the month if the pilot receives one TFP or more of credited service for the calendar month. And so then if you go back and look at definitions, credited service includes TFP from sick, OJI, vacation, or the regular TFP you earn, including CC pay. So, But what it doesn't include is disability or workers' comp benefits. So if you get a TFP for the month, you earn vacation for that month.
1: So it looks like longevity is a little bit different. What is happening with that?
0: Yeah, so in our current CBA, there's seniority and longevity are protected for seven years for medical leaves only unless then there's language that says if it's mutually agreed upon by the association and the company, what they're actually doing is The company and the pilot are mutually agreeing and SWAP is not involved. So we've had some, let's just call them differences of opinion on that. So this takes that question out of it. And now it's just defined as 10 consecutive years for any leave of absence. Doesn't have to be medical, anything up to 10 years. And once it's past 10 years, the pilot is probably never coming back. Or if he is, that's the limit to what we set.
1: Okay. There was also some changes in terms of grave illness or life-threatening injury. What was the change there?
0: Right so in emergency and bereavement leave it's currently just emergency leave we added bereavement leave so emergency leave just covers death is kind of how it is in, in the current contract and in case by case basis they'll extend it to you know emergency oh my gosh my wife had an accident my mom's in hospice some major thing and now we've defined those as grave injury or illness so you get unpaid leave for those and we've also very clearly described who the immediate family members are and then there's another section of extended family members so depending on you know whether it's your sister or your sister-in-law it will depend on what leave you qualify but those are all individual leaves so if the reality is my mom is diagnosed with a, a life-threatening illness i get emergency leave i can go to her unpaid you know be with her and then, if she dies, then you get paid bereavement leave on the backside of that. So, it doesn't just exclude you. You know, that we're kind of trying to address of how it actually would play out in the real world.
1: So, there were also some changes under sick leave accrual. What
0: were those? You know, when we agreed in contract 2016 to the change, premium doesn't accrue sick at premium rates; just it's straight. The company interpreted that as they said, "Well, JA is a premium; it's a double time premium." So they thought they've interpreted it as a premium and that was never the intent. We have an open grievance on that. Regardless of how that grievance is settled, going forward, the way that we've defined the language is pretty clear. And think of it basically as if they do it to you, you get the additional sick. If you do it to yourself, it's straight. So if you bid on a premium trip, it accrues it straight. If they JAU, it's at double-time accrual. We have VDT in this contract, which is voluntary double-time. Since it's voluntary and you're doing it to yourself, even though it's double-time pay, you only accrue it straight. The other important change in this contract is sick applies to overrides. So it'll capture all of the LCO when you get reassigned. It'll capture all of your late return. All of the other rigs that are out there will get sick on it. So it's effectively doing exactly what we said if they do it to you you're going to get sick on it if you do it to yourself you'll get straight accrual
1: it looks like there was also a little bit of a change in regards to visibility of sick time can you explain that
0: we've had some instances where it's part of the good dude check you know for the company if if you don't have a high sick bank then you you must not be a, an employee in good standing so it's not in our pilot's interests for everybody and their brother to see sick bank balances. So we've limited it just to the pilot, payroll, who has to see it. That's their job to administer it, and then the association. So,
1: does that mean that your chief pilot would not be able to see your sick time? That's correct. So, explain the sick bank buyback.
0: Well, you know, it's not in this deal. Swapa made no less than three different proposals for sick leave buyback, it was in our initial proposal. We showed the company that it's simply a math problem, and in the end, they chose not to agree to the deal. So what we did do is protect the 10 to 1 accrual with those changes as far as whether they do it to you or you do it to yourself. And we did protect the 1600 SIC TFP cap. So those two parts of it have not changed.
1: So there was a change to how you can report in SIC?
0: Yeah, we're just trying to modernize it. You're allowed to check in. They did agree to add the sick button. You know, I am sick in CWA. They've been dead set against that for years, but that will be an automatic, automated function. And they're trying to automate a lot more of the interactions between the pilot and crew scheduling. That's just one more.
1: So what happens if you call in sick online?
0: Honestly, it's it's not really any change to current practice or technique, but there was really not a lot of clear guidance in the language today. So that's really just clarifying current practice. And the same thing goes with uh, if you call in sick for a, a uh, pairing or you call in sick for a reserve block, it's the same way they do it today. If you if you call in sick for a trip, they're gonna pull it, the whole thing. And then if you feel better, you might be able to get back on it. If they pull you for a reserve block today, the, the default is they're gonna pull you for everything. But if you think you're gonna be okay, you can just have them pull one reserve block and if you think you're going to be better the next day. So those systems remain basically unchanged.
1: What is one of the bigger changes to medical
0: leave? So medical leave itself doesn't have any major changes. It's really just an administrative status. And what we have to do is separate medical leave from disability. So for the purposes of leaves, it's just an quote unquote unpaid leave that they just put you in for that status. We'll talk a lot more about it when we get into benefits, but the disability coverage while you're on medical leave is really where the meat of the changes are. So really not too much here.
1: Any changes to personal leave?
0: Really, this section is more of an administrative cleanup. There was some conflicting language on personal leaves, like they have to be a minimum of 30 days and they have to start and end on the bid period. But what do you do in 28 days in February? Just the language is one of those examples of current language of being just wrong or just can't follow it as written. We know what the intent is. So we just clarified a lot of the language here. No real meaningful change.
1: And the next one I see is uh, moving leave. That seems to be a new section.
0: It is. Moving leave is new. We have the right to moving leave in our current language under moving expenses. It says for every 350 miles, you get a day of travel plus a day on both sides. What we've done here in 2020 is there's paid moving leave and unpaid moving leave. So if you move your household as a result of a vacancy. So it doesn't have to be a displacement or it doesn't have to be a new base. Let's just say I'm relocating my family from, you know, Chicago to Florida down to Orlando. If I move that domicile, I'm entitled to unpaid time off of, you know, 350 miles per day for that period. And it is unpaid, and you do have to coordinate the times with your chief, so they don't want you to move over the 4th of July, but it does set sort of an expectation for our pilots. And then we do maintain all of the paid moving leave and the same time period for displacements or new bases or return from furlough.
1: And what about legal duty leave?
0: So legal duty leave replaces jury duty. It's a leave that we sort of stole from Delta's agreement. Uh, it, it's a little bit more broad than just jury duty. It covers if you get subpoenaed, if you're doing something, you're testifying for the company, that kind of thing, they will provide leave to go do those things. If it's one of those, it's a paid leave. If it's some other non jury duty, you know, court proceedings not related to Southwest, they'll give you unpaid leave. But the important thing about it is we've, we've really clarified that they're going to pull you for the whole trip and if it conflicts, and if you do participate in ELIT or trip trade giveaway that then becomes a conflict with jury duty, that you'll be pay protected for either you know what was on your board at the time of the notification, and then there's some other work rules, some other rules in there that solves a lot of the complications and confusion and disagreements that we've had in the past on jury duty polls specifically.
1: Talk to us a little about military leave of absence.
0: The short answer on military is that we haven't really changed it. When we set out to do contract 2020 and wrote the language back in 18 and 19, we had a complete military affairs section. And then we had all sorts of rules that we had established for military leaves of absence. But what we found uh, once we got the lawyers involved with USERA being a federal law uh, subject to interpretation and evolving interpretation, and for that matter, both parties agreed that the best place for the military affairs, LOA stuff, all belonged in the military handbook. So we made significant updates to that, and those have been issued and published, and those are out now. So within the contract itself, it's basically current book, but most of the changes happened in the handbook.
1: Let's go now to sort of the biggest change, and that is to the family leave. Go ahead and give us an overview of like maternity leave and how that has changed.
0: First, we do have FMLA, which is a federal leave requirement that remains unchanged. That's an unpaid status. There's some a little more detail that that we fought hard to get included into the contract, so that's that covers you also kind of like wraps around any other of these leaves if they're appropriate. So it could be part of this, but in general, I think what we've managed to accomplish is enough that FMLA will not be uh, used like it is today for pilots who are, are taking care of a newborn or something else. But a high level for maternity leave, we have three different steps. We have maternity leave, and then we have parental leave, and then we have extended bonding leave.
1: Okay, let's talk about the changes to maternity specifically.
0: So maternity leave will start at the loss of license for a pregnant pilot. At some point in her pregnancy, she won't be able to maintain her medical, so at that point, she transitions to maternity leave. Meanwhile, she's covered by disability payments as necessary under the loss of license plan until she gives birth. Once she gives birth, She'll be paid 25 TFP per week for either six or eight weeks, depending on whether it's a natural birth or a cesarean birth. And at the end of that maternity leave, she'll transition to parental leave.
1: So let's talk about parental leave. So once the person's finished their maternity leave, what does parental leave involve?
0: So let's take the pilot who's just given birth. She's currently on maternity leave for either six or eight weeks. At the end of her maternity leave, she'll transition to parental leave for a total of 12 more weeks. The first two are paid, so that gives her a total of either eight or 10 weeks of paid combined maternity parental, and then she'll have another 10 weeks. Depending on if she is fit to fly, she will go on to an unpaid status, or if she has not returned to flight status, she'll continue to receive her disability benefits. The thing about parental leave though, it's not just for mothers. It's for mothers and fathers for both births and adoptions. So this is a very, very big improvement for all of our pilots. The fact that it's not just for the mothers, but our fathers will be able to take advantage of that as well. And for those that are not the birth mother, it's also a 12-week leave. The first two weeks, again, are paid at 25 TFP. And then the next 10 are unpaid unless the pilot elects to take accrued vacation or use sick leave.
1: And then this other new section is the extended bonding leave. Can you explain that?
0: Yes. So then another very important aspect for our modern families, it allows a pilot, both mothers and fathers uh, who are able to, can take up to 12 months of unpaid extended bonding leave. Uh, We had a lot of concerns from our female pilots who had given birth and then they're being told that they have to go back and fly the line and and there's all sorts of child care and issues that they've got to go through. Uh, This allows them to stay home with their child for up to 12 months from the time of birth. So it, it runs concurrently with the maternity and parental, but in total, it'll give you one full year of free of duty after the birth of the child.
1: Or the adoption of a child, correct?
0: Or the adoption, yes. And again, it could be for the dad too. A father can take up to 12 months off unpaid to help with the extended bonding with his child as well.
1: So let's move on to another sort of new section. And then as they return to active status, can you explain what that is?
0: Yeah. So that's the last section in Leaves of Absence. And it's really sort of a process part that's been lacking in our current contract. And we've kind of cobbled this together through past practice and practice changes. And it depends on how long you've been out and what training you need and when training can get you into the sims. So we've had cases where guys have their medical back, but then they have to wait weeks, occasionally months to get fit back into training. And so they're out on disability getting reduced benefits when they could be back at work, could be back being productive for the company. So we've established clear procedures for that. Basically, you know, after you get your medical back, you have to tell your chief pilot that you're ready to return. You have about three days to do that. The company will turn everything back on. We've had some concerns with them. They have to get you turned on CAS and KCM so that you can commute to Dallas to start your training. That's been issues that we worked out. Uh, and then you become active as soon as you come back, active status. And then if they don't get you into training, after seven days, they begin paying you three TFP a day. So if you work that out, that's about 90 TFP a month. And what that does is that basically works towards the line guarantee that you would have made if you were back on active status. So they're paying you more than just the disability payments until they get you into training and then once they get you into training, you go through that. And then we have the same process that works today, but we've just spelled it out. That A pilot that finishes and doesn't have a line, he'll then either pick up from open time or they'll build you a reserve line. So it's just kind of codifying current practice.
1: Is there anything else that we missed that we need to let the membership know about Levo's absence?
0: Yeah. The only other thing I would say about it is we touched on on medical. It's just an administrative status and most of the important part lies in the benefits side. So make sure you listen to that podcast and look at that material as well. That's where we'll talk a lot about how your benefits stay in in place while on leaves. There is a chart. And the last section of the leaves section that is, it is binding or it is contractual. So it shows you exactly which leaves and which benefits you qualify depending on what status you're in, but those kind of work really closely together with benefits. So we'll cover those more in that section. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out the Contract 2020 TA Education page on swapa.org.